everyone. Welcome to Hosted. This is a podcast where we flip the script on hosts. They're always sitting behind the mics asking all the questions and now it's their turn to answer the questions. So today on the show, we have Eric Wright. He is the host of Disco Posse podcast and also uh, evangelist, is that right, for Turbonomics? Yeah. Back before they called them developer advocates or whatever we were, I'm a tech evangelist. I'm like old school. <laughs> That's, I feel like that is the best possible role to have at any company, especially a tech company. So I really look forward to digging into that a tiny bit and to talk about the 250 Teen episodes that you now have under your belt. That's super exciting, Eric. <laughs> it's kind of scary when you say the number like that. I'm like, oh, that's, I guess it's a thing. <laughs> that's a lot of conversations. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep going, I think. It's uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, and you know, you and and the KitCaster team are, are I'll say, dominantly responsible for the success of this podcast because the folks that, that you bring to me and you know so you know massive thank you to you and Ryan and everybody there like I think I did a thank you video once because I just like you guys sent me a really fantastic little gift box and I like tried to list out all the names of the people that I get to interact with and you know, I, I hope the travel becomes kind of real again soon. And, and I'm, I'm flying myself to Colorado and coming to say hello. That would be <laughs> IRL excellent. as the kids say. <laughs> we would love that. We would absolutely love that. And the feelings mutual, we, you know, as everyone knows, that listens to this podcast, we are a podcast booking agency and every guest that we place on your podcast, you know, these, our clients are going on 20, 30, 40 podcasts, and we get consistent feedback from those who go on to your show that you are so fantastic at maneuvering through the interview. It's always on everyone's top for the, the like the best show that they have, have been on throughout the campaign. So thank you so much for putting so much thought and care into what you do. And, and Disco Posse is such a fun name. I, I was, <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny because when I'm, when I'm thinking about it, I think of a disco ball and then I just think of this like group of, you know, this like solid group, this like posse, just like hanging out and like chatting underneath a disco ball. And then I started digging into your website and it's a picture <laughs> of a disco ball and then yeah. like a group of fellas on horseback. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those funny like backstory things that uh, I was used to, you know, I'm an early adopter of internet and, and email. And so I would always like have to flip between locations and I would move around because I was a kid, right? I'm moving around like 19, 20 years old and, and I would change providers and you would have to change your email address all the time. I got sick and tired of it. So I had to pick a domain name. And one of the, I said, I need to pick something that's unique and that no one else is going to fight over. And I was in a bunch of different bands and one of them was called the Disco Posse. We would play like really heavy covers of disco songs and we would actually open for ourselves. And so we had an original band called Binary Gods and I would open for my own band, just put on this With like disco crazy, posse? yeah, and just play like, you know, Wild Cherry and, and, you know, Chic and stuff. It was fantastic. We just had a lot of fun. And so I thought Disco Posse, no one's got that one because Eric Wright, as if anybody does a Google image search, especially you're going to see uh, Easy E with two nine millimeters yes. crossing his chest, right? I haven't got a hope in heck of SEO against that. Mm -mm. So, and there's an Eric Wright who's a Canadian mystery author. Uh, so even in, in the, you know, far north of Canada where I'm from, you, I haven't got a shot at getting my name out there. So I'm like, but Disco Posse? You search that out, it's all me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's so funny because I was actually in preparing for this interview. I mean, we we go we go back, but I wanted to dig in and see if there was anything that I was missing. So I did a search and of course Easy E pops up and I was and I didn't even know that that was his birth name. His actual name, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh. So we all got a good laugh here at KitCaster. Cause I was like, <laughs> Eric Wright. Do you think there's like, what's the association? It's just random. I'm like, but it's so cool. 
I'm gonna have to get. I have to do a, a promo picture of me with like two water pistols across my chest or something. I mean, you're almost there with your cover art, right? Nerd life tattooed on your on your knuckles. Oh yeah, yeah. My so my friend and and colleague Zine Rashidi. He's a fantastic. Uh, artists and digital artists. And I just said, I said, I've got this crazy idea. I wanted to do like this thug life, you know, image of, and so I, he's like, all right. He just says, come over here. We sit in the office for my company. And he just like, he kneels down the ground. He's like, just do that. And he takes this beautiful, you know, depth of field shot of my knuckles. And, and like 20 minutes later, I get this image and it says nerd life tattooed on my hands. And it looks like I've actually had people go like, do you use cover up for it? I'm like, no, it's, it's not a real tattoo. <laughs> I hate to break the fourth wall on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought for sure it was real. I remember when we first engaged with you, it was probably like two years ago. I was like, that's really, I mean, Eric's committed. <laughs> yeah. Nerd for life for Nerd sure. Nerd for life. And and your background's in technology. Your passion is technology and Disco Posse is, features entrepreneurs, a lot of them in the world of technology or how they might use technology in their companies. So just give us a little brief overview of the evolution of Disco Posse and, and how it came to be and, and why. Uh, it's, it's always, I love hopefully making these origin stories known so that people can get like this stuff is the difference between me and every other podcaster or person that wants to start a podcast is, is 215 episodes and I care harder about failing and getting through it. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, so I started and I thought, I've always enjoyed broadcast and talk radio and I've loved the interview process. I've been fascinated by finding the story that's behind the talking points. And I hear, I listen to great interviewers. Uh, I used to watch inside the actor's studio. So James Lipton and, you know, we, we start as always from the beginning, you know, and, and all everything about him and Brian Linehan, a famous Canadian interviewer, Larry King, and people would always sort of poke fun of the way that these folks ask, ask questions, but yet it uncovers something beyond what you would read in the press release. Mm -hmm. So when I would go through and I'd talk to folks that are like my nerd friends, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And I just would find my local peer group of technologists and I would say, hey, you're using some technology. You know, I'd love to dig into why you use it and how you use it. And that's what mattered more to me is like why and how. And as I got to like 15 and 20 episodes, which is common because it's easy to go to your peer group and your first layer network, you've got, you got 20 episodes in the can pretty much at about 20 episodes, every podcast of wheels just fall off the bus. Like it's, yeah. it's now work. It's now fitting it in It's scheduling it. And I travel. So I've got to fit it into when I'm recording, when I'm on the road and a lot of stuff, but I started to do it more and I actually linked it up to my work. So actually it was originally called GC on demand. Green circle was the community that I was in. So I basically convinced my work people, Hey, let me do this. And you know, they said, Oh, how will it be about turbonomic? I'm like, it won't. <laughs> that's <laughs> and that's why people are going to love it. You know? <laughs> and I had our CEO on, I had a bunch of our partners. Like, so I would make it something that was worth listening. And that was my goal. And then from there, it hit, finally hit a point where we couldn't measure it. And that was always a tricky thing, especially when you're in a startup. They'd say like, yeah. well, you know, how do you know there's the attribution through to Salesforce? So there's no checkbox, you know, listened to podcast. And so I got told, well, I, we probably just shouldn't be investing effort into it. I was like, oh, okay, sounds good. I guess that makes sense. And, and I moved on to other things. And all of a sudden I just let it lapse. And I went back for some reason, I was Googling out because I wanted to look at like somebody who was on the show. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to remember, you know, I'm curious how the searchability is for it. And I find the iTunes, you know, listing for the podcast and there was comments in it. And I was like, oh man, people listen to this. I got to go back and do it again. Cause it like, this mattered to somebody. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So I started then completely, I rebranded it. And then I decided to change the format because every piece of advice I got from people is don't make it longer than 20 or 30 minutes. People's attention spans aren't made for that. You know, it's, it's hard. It's, 
And then I realized that why I'd listened to that at first was that people are listening to podcasts from companies where they just basically talk about their company and talk about their partners and their relationship to the company. And it had never been about that. And I started to move to longer conversations and it really was fun. So, sorry, I'm giving way this too much. Great. I'm stealing all the time. No, no, no. This is fantastic. But I typically say that there's actually two podcasts in every episode. There's the first 25 minutes, which is every human. If you get them, sit them in front of a microphone, they've got enough stuff to get through half an hour. Even if it's, if they're leaders of a company, they typically, they, that's about the time that you have like scripted stuff that you've got baked into your head. Mm -hmm. And at 30 minutes, you pull something from what you heard in the first 30. And I would say you know, one thing I've noticed you know, and hearing the way you describe things, it seems obvious to me, but maybe it's not obvious. I'm curious, how did you get this, right? How did you get to doing this? And you, and the answers are fun because it's like, there's this long pause and they say, hmm, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'm like, all right, now, now this is a real conversation and they're out, they're not, not that they were in talking points, but like, it's hard to escape that you know the answer to the question you're getting asked. And it's probably frustrating for some people too, because they like, they've gotten used to it now. They've heard the show enough, but they'll, they would send me like, can you send us the four, you know, what questions are you going to ask our, our CEO? And I'm like, well, here's the theme and here's the first question. And the second question will be based on the answer of the first one. And we're <laughs> going to just meander until we get to, you know, oh, and I said, don't worry, I'll take care of callbacks. I'll avoid financials. I'll avoid competitors. I'll I know all the rules of the road. But the more I did this, the more I've really started to, I believe, become good at unpacking somebody's story that they maybe didn't even know they had, which is like, it, it really, truly, like, it's, it's amazing, like, to me, to think that I can, I can help people find something about themselves that they may not even realize they know. Yeah, no, and I think that that's what makes a really amazing host. And, and I, you're not the first person to say that, that it takes a little bit of time for people to almost let their guard down, that you are able to kind of break down that first wall, you know, peel that first layer back. And then yeah. you get to the stuff that, that feels real, that feels like something that maybe hasn't really been talked about before again, like they have never experienced or thought about for themselves. And we, so at Kickcaster, we do media training with a lot of our clients. And it's the same thing for, for us when we're doing a training session, because you'll get, you know, the, the first like 20 minutes, it's like all the talking points. These are all the things that I want to make sure I get in an interview. And then we start talking about like, well, why do you swing your feet out of bed in the morning? Like, yeah, what drives you? Like, it can't be that this, this technology that you developed is what drives you. It's solving something, right? So then we get to the really good stuff. It's, that's incredible. And so that, that's, what, that's what drives you to continue doing what you do. And then I'm curious, Eric, what's that, what's that first question that you typically ask? Oh, it's funny. It's, I mean, the, the first thing is I, I kind of give them the freedom that I'm going to, I always say like, we're going to talk about you, your story, how you got here, but like, let's talk about what is, what's the problem that you and your team are solving. Mm -hmm. And that's always the opener because it gives them a chance to be like, okay, this is, this is our sort of vision. My, this is my vision statement and like, let them lay that out. And I let them do it in their own words. And, and even just hearing the nuance, because if you read the website, you know, it's there, right. but it's very different when you hear it from them. And, and that's why, again, I like the longer form because if I listen to nothing but 15 to 20 minute podcasts, I'd hear the same questions asked of the same guests over and over again. And it's, that's, what's kind of weird to me. I'm like, as a podcaster, as an interview, I have a responsibility to make it different than the last 10 they've done. Like I want to make them use mine, my conversation with them as like a, a thing going forward. Actually, and sorry, this is a funny thing that yeah. somebody the other day, I found out that they're using my podcast with their 
CTO and co-founder as their enablement training for like, this is why we started the company. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cool because that's the exactly what I would love to be able to have. I want them to see this as a meaningful conversation that really helps to unpack something that they, they would be proud to share. And, and that's kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot for your interview style. And, and I think that even just from what we're seeing when businesses engage with us is, especially when you're working with a larger organization and maybe the people within the organization don't have direct contact with the folks at, at on the top. And it really sheds some light into the types of folks that they're working for and the right. vision that they're working towards that is, very, like you said, very different from what they read on the website or perhaps what was told to them during their onboarding process or by their direct manager. So it really does, like it creates this really, I think, unique connection that people have to the voice, to the person behind the voice during a podcast. And especially when you are working so hard to get at the heart of what it is that this particular guest has come to unveil. Yeah. And it's a, uh, I often think of like one of my favorite quotes is from Frank Zappa and he says, you know, a computer can't tell you the story. What's missing is the eyebrows, right? There's, there's something that's different about the in-person experience. Just the fact that you can see the way that they react. And that's really what it is. Even in public speaking, I do coaching and mentoring for people doing public speaking. And I describe public speaking, especially to a large room. So I tell it's listening to 500 people at a time. And people kind of like, what do you mean? How can you listen to 500 people at a time? Is it easy? Your, it's your responsibility as a speaker to let Go them around. guide you to what matters to them. And I've and I've realized that I guess maybe it's not as common as I think, because I see great presenters do it. And I've learned, like, I've, I'm just an ape for other people's stuff. I am not... I totally steal everybody else's thing. Nothing about me is original, I'm sure. <laughs> I've just learned from really fantastic that, people. But this whole thing of, you know, and like I said, this this the goal of the conversation and the interview has always been to let them feel free and comfortable that it's their story that's being told. And then I'll like kind of guide it and, you know, give them, I want to give them bounce points. I'm like the like the four people, have you ever seen people do trampolining and there's four <laughs> yes. people that control the trampoline? That's, that's me. Yeah. Right. So I'm making sure that, and if you have a bad bounce, it's my responsibility to get the trampoline get back. back in sync. I like that analogy. And, and so when you're uncovering these stories and you've uncovered 215 of them and you're introducing things to your guests that they've never really thought about before. There's, I'm sure, a lot of situations that have, or conversations that have sat with you or made you think. It's almost like watching a movie. I always gauge the quality of a movie by how long it sits with me. Like, how long am I thinking about this movie? That's, and initially, sometimes I might, I might walk away from a movie and be like, ooh, I don't really know how I felt about that. But when I'm reflecting on it and it sits with me and I'm able to, to say, okay, actually, that was a really good movie. It was really well done. It made me think. Have you had conversations like that? I'm sure you've had many, but can you talk us through one or two? Yeah. Wow. I, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's, there's stuff that I've, I've learned I, my goal is that like these, these people are incredible, right? And they're doing something that is, they've been advised it's probably not a good idea to do and they're doing <laughs> it anyways. Like people yeah. that found companies are, and, and even beyond that. So that's like a common theme is, uh, so that it began as techos. And then next, you know, it was people in the startup ecosystem. And then you've got a lot of people that are in the sort of like pre like seed funding, pre a post a funding. So they're still early stage and they're finding product market fit. And then I started talking to people about productivity and life habits and it really opened up to, I've, I've had an incredible array of people. 
So what's what's really stuck with me sometimes is just like you said that 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 story that happens at forty minutes in or forty five minutes in sometimes where they're really just they're relaxed and they're sharing. And I, my one that always sticks out is I remember Liza Huber and she, uh, she's a founder of a company called Sage Spoonfuls. And she talked about her son being born very early, like at 26 weeks, I believe, uh, or 28, like very, very, very early. And it, you know, literally having to go to living in the NICU every day. And she said like, just this story of like one day, she just said like, something's, something's wrong. And I, I have to go to the hospital and she's running like, cause she, you don't know why you do it, but you run. And she ran and they were like, we were about to call you because we don't know that he's going to make it. Oh my gosh. And she said like watching them, like literally pumping life into his lungs for and like hours to never give up. And like, her sharing the story. Like I invite her on to talk about making baby safe containers. And she felt this incredible comfort in like, I wanted to really talk about her son who I knew has, he has cerebral palsy as a result of complications at birth. And, and like to, to have her be able to be comfortable enough to share that story was, it was incredibly meaningful, you know, and I hear stories like that and talking to another, somebody I've become a very good friend with and, and, you know, I asked him a question one time. I said, what's the thing that scares you the most about, you know, being a founder and, and like running this business? And, and he's like, this really long pause. And I've learned that's like, that's the best thing you can, you can do is just, just let it happen. And he's like, I could see him because he was actually pacing before I did video. And he says, I, uh, uh, after I'm done this call, I got to call the investors because I, I, I don't know that we're, I don't know that we can continue beyond next week. Wow. And I didn't say anything. I yeah. just, I just took it in and he's like, but we got to do it. Right. Like, and it was just this moment of like him again, it's like the comfort he had to share this situation. And he has since become very successful and thankfully, you know, and, and well-deserved to have gone through, but to be that close and to, like you hear those stories and I hear people that share advice and I start to hear common things. And that's, what's really amazing to me. And, uh, but yeah, just there are moments like at this point, I've, I can say that almost every interview I come out of it and you just, you're like fired up. You're like, I'm, I'm a better person now than I was an hour ago. Yeah. Like and every time that's, uh, there's no, there's no, machine-like process to it. There's no, like, that's why I do no preparation. Well, I lie. I do a lot of preparation, but I, I don't come in. There's no list. There's no notes. There's no teleprompter. There's no nothing. It is just, you start, you know, the first question you want to ask, you know, where you think you can take it, you know, the theme you want to uncover and you remember at the end to bring it back to the start. It's like a great comedy. Comedians mm -hmm. always do this. If you listen to any comedy special, 30, 40, 60 minute, the last joke is the first joke. Yeah. Every time. Tie it all and back. It's, yeah. It's so I know the sequence. I know the, I know the format to make it worth listening and to bring it back together. So everything else is just the comfort to be able to land no matter what, what angle you come into the ramp at kind of thing. Yeah. And don't you feel too, Eric, when you're in those situations where people are telling you, sharing with you things that you're not prepared for, they're not prepared for. And maybe it's a secret that they're holding inside that they haven't shared with anyone else. Maybe it's a story that they, that they don't tell a lot of folks, but do you get that sense of relief from them once they're able to share or open up about a situation? I'm thinking specifically around this gentleman who shared that he may not, they may not be around having to call his investors. I mean, that might be, that might've been the first time that he was like, all right, this is what I have to do. This is the reality. Is yeah, there a shift? It, there is, there's a, and it's funny. It's like I said, and that's why, oh boy. And I used to be, I was a bad interviewer for a long time. I still don't think I'm particularly good. At, I've learned tricks 
but like the first habit that most people have is to fill space. And to, so when you hear like five seconds of pause, the first thing you think is you re-ask the question or you, I mistake I used to make all the time was I'd ask two questions in a row, like, you know, ask the question yeah. and then ask the follow-up question without hearing the answer. And I'm like, and, and I had a good friend of mine who actually says like, you actually asked me two questions there. So I'm going to answer the first one. Then we'll go for it. And I was like, oh, busted. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned to be better at that. I still tip over all the time, but yeah, there is that. You can see the moment that they do. And that's why I've learned to, you know, video has been such a fantastic, you know, boost because you know that you're seeing it. I had one interview. It was funny. He, when he found out that we weren't going to publish on video, he immediately shut his camera off. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, like I was kind of sad. I'm like, yeah, I was like, that's because it's, it's actually the nonverbal cues are super important. And, and, uh. And it's tough too, because I, if anybody actually, if you can see the other side of this, I'm, I have to look into a camera. My laptop is like five inches below the camera. So I'm careful because if I look at you, you see me looking down in the camera. And I know that's irritating to look at when you're watching an interview. So yeah. I have to look and I basically see you out of the corner of my eye. So when, when you're talking, I'm looking at you. And then when I talk, I have to look at the goofy lens. I'm officially that broadcast idiot now who's got to <laughs> learn how to do. Now I know why people do this. <laughs> you're not an idiot. You're you're taking all of those factors into consideration and, and how it looks, how it's perceived from the other side. So I think that, that you're just really intentional with everything you're doing. And it sounds like it's from a lot of lessons learned along the way. It's interesting that you talk about the wrapping two or three questions into one question and then being uncomfortable with dead air, because that's something that we talk about in our media training all the time. And what I tell our clients is it's actually, I think it's a good sign when a host asks two or three questions in one, it's because they, it means that they're usually pretty excited about what you're talking about. And they right. have so many questions to ask and they are afraid they're going to forget it. So they just unload them all at once. And I, I, I tell our clients to do exactly what your friend did. And that's just to unpack it. Like, yeah. oh, that was three. That was three questions. I'm going to start with the first one. Don't know if I remember the last one, but we'll work on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm saying, I thought, I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, you're I, great. I'm, a, I'm, I'll say I'm a master of tangents and some people, it's really interesting because when you get people that know that they're going off course and you hear them say, oh, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. I'm like, no, that's, that's, a, that's all good. <laughs> that's I, what I want. <laughs> trust me, I'll bring you back. I know where the landing you know, pad is. And, and it's, it's funny because a lot of people, it's really weird to be interviewed. Mm -hmm. It's because you're, you have to surrender to the moment you're sort of you're surrendering control you're giving that control of the conversation flow and there's ways in which you can guide it yourself so it is really a it is a bi-directional it is a true give and take you know thrust dodge parry sort of situation but it's difficult sometimes for people to know or not know you know kind of what's coming it's and that's why i one of the things i think i and the most proud of is the, the five minutes to 10 minutes after the interview's over when people, I'm like, that's when I should get them to write the testimonial. Because <laughs> They're excited. They're just like, when you start the episode and someone says like, sorry, is this 75 minute calendar block? Is that a mistake? And I'm like, no, trust me. We're, it'll, it'll go by before you know it. And then I had somebody, she was like, you're, there's no way we're going to record for this long. And then 75 minutes in, we, you know, it's like coming out to the bell. And I was like, Hey, you know, we're coming up to our time. She's like, Oh, already. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, yes, yeah, 75 minutes. We're Funny there. How that happens. Cause <laughs> yeah. I give the preamble at the start too. And that's always the, the, the thing I have to like open with, Hey, I know your CEO, I know your founder. I, I'm going to not going to talk about financials. I'm not going to talk about this. I would send a video of this preamble, but no one would watch the video. <laughs> so that's why I, but it, there's no prep for them either. So they're walking in sometimes cold, really unaware of what it is. And, and look, I know they're busy. So the odds are, they don't listen to the podcast before they get there. 
And then also the goofy thing that I like to do is I make them do a radio ID. So they say, Hey, this is Brandy Whalen, you know, and you're listening to the disco posse podcast. And I do like the old school radio, you know, Thanks. voice thing. And, and, uh, and it's funny. Cause that also, they like, you see them smile as they do that. And they're like, all right, now, now we begin. And, you know, it's, it's really good. I did have one guy, sorry, one more th quick thing that was funny. I had somebody that literally told me at the start of the interview, he's like, just so you know, I don't like to talk. Really fantastic. <laughs> this would be a great like, 75 minutes. <laughs> exactly. This is going to be. And it was uh, the first 20, 25 minutes was like, uh, so, you know, Vince, how do you do? Vince, he was, he was really good, actually. Uh, and And he, I asked him a question and every answer was just like, yes. Oh gosh. I was purposefully giving him questions. There was no yes or no answer to, to make sure I gave him a chance of, and then at that funny mark where I was now, like, I heard a lot of his, his background. I was like, it's, I, it sounds to me like the impact you have on your peers is incredibly important to you. What's the reason for that? And he's like, Oh, you know, I guess I never really thought about that. And he talked for like five straight minutes, free form. It was like a different person and he was so good. And, and I just, cause he was not comfortable at the start with himself being on microphone for so long yeah. and to like give him that freedom. It's, it's like the idea of culture. We talk about culture is the sense of belonging and the ability to fail safely. That's, that's what I want people to feel at the end of it. And that's what a good interview should. It, it should give you the, the thing. Sometimes at the end where they go, wow, you know, like, like that Oprah crying moment where you're like, I didn't think that that was going to happen, but uh, yeah, it happened. <laughs> but it sure did. Yeah. And I think too, Eric, you know, asking, getting somebody who doesn't necessarily feel comfortable behind the mic, telling their story, but asking them something that they haven't thought about before and listening to them work through it. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened with Vince is that you asked a question that you, you were catching a thread, a common thread. You asked him a question and he hadn't necessarily thought about the answer to that. So you got to hear the inner workings of him putting that together, which is amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and the advantage that you get with, with, durability in doing this. Like I have an incredible 215 hours of background information to bring to every interview and it gets better. Like I've well, one more hour of research every week at a minimum where I'm, and I've got a fairly good memory so I can, Oh, this is interesting. Cause I talked to actually somebody who also uses the same venture capitalist or whatever. And I, we can do callbacks to previous episodes because I've got this sort of broad base of knowledge. And I realize, like when you, you hear like sports announcers and, and they always talk about, yeah, back in 78, you know, I saw the Bruins play here. And like, it's because they've had this lived experience that they continue to bring back. And then that makes it easier for my guests. So I think as every episode gets published, I believe my capability to give people a conversational comfort will get better because I can give them important points and, and they understand, they trust now that I know what I'm doing, that they feel okay with me asking a, sometimes tougher questions because I've had, you know, some guests, you know, of somebody who's fantastic, uh, Ava Black, and they were on, and we talked about stuff around diversity and challenge uh, or trans and in security and in open source. And so we've got all these incredible backgrounds and Ava has the ability to like talk about really difficult things, but we don't want to do it in a way that causes people to be uncomfortable. We want them to cause, we want them to not think there's an answer, but to learn how to ask a question. And I, and I will say that's the, the lesson that I give to anybody at the end of a podcast, you should have a really great, bunch of questions that you would ask yourself, you know, about yourself, hmm. having now listened to this person share their story. And, and that's why the, the personal impact is strong. I've developed really strong personal and, and even commercial sometimes relationships with folks that have been on the show 
because over time you're like, Hey, I know somebody who's in the same sort of vein and they're doing marketing automation. And, you know, so I've actually been able to connect a lot of people together, which is, which is a lot of fun, you know, yeah. just to help them because, you know, they're, they're effectively giving their, their, their life to me for, for an hour and 15 minutes every week, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And you talked about something a little um, earlier in our conversation, just about how, you know, founders are, are encountering all sorts of difficult things and especially things that can oftentimes cause fear in a lot of folks. And I know that one of the things that you talk about is the work that you like to do would frighten some people. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder if there's, you know, like listening to founder stories uh, and talking about fear and things that are so common with most founders and, and then what, like, what is it that you, you know, tell us a little bit about your, the way that you seek out opportunities that would frighten most people. Yeah, this is a, uh, I, I, I can say that I literally like within about a week, I became very comfortable with stuff that I am not good at and slicing it out of things that I should be doing and, and really severing off. And, and the, but one thing I am, I believe, you know, good at, which is, uh, uh, and I'm, this is the kind of idiot that I am. I actually registered a domain for it because this is the kind of world that I am. <laughs> but I call it the slow twitch side hustle, right? So slow twitch muscular responses for endurance athletes. Uh, slow twitch is the ability to do, you know, it's durability uh, and extensibility of, of muscular uh, use during endurance uh, sports. Because you're a cyclist, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and my my favorite thing to do in cycling is to go up where people want to come down and so when i look at a hill people think that would be fun to come down i think that would be even more fun to go up to go up right you like, and you enjoy the climb the, su- the suffering yeah, i i like i because it's a weird thing i'm not i said i'm not fast i'm not strong i'm not intelligent but i'm willing to do stuff that most people are not yeah and it makes me appear as though I'm potentially fast, strong, or intelligent. But all it is is I'm willing to listen, learn, and do stuff that is uncomfortable for far longer than most people are willing to do it. The difference between a cyclist, a good cyclist, and an average cyclist is pain tolerance. It's not training. It's not diet. It's not whatever. It is the ability to do stuff that you, your body is telling you is a flipping terrible idea to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can absolutely relate to that. I, um, I cycle with my husband, not as much as I would like to, but he has that same ability to endure and it's not, you know, I, I think that, and just watching him as he's like, he's just steady. He's not, he's not, we're climbing, we live in Colorado, so we're, we're There's biking a lot of mountains. climbs in Colorado. There's yeah. a lot of climbs and climbing is, it's just, it's not about speed. It's about keeping your cadence and just staying the course. <laughs> and I yeah. think that that's what a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Like, I think a lot of, of folks would rather kind of sprint as fast as they can to get to the top, but it's just, it's impossible to do quite frankly for, for most humans. So, um, so that's interesting. So what, um, so tell me a little bit about what's your, what's the side hustle, the slow twitch, everything, uh, a podcast, <laughs> you know, there, there's no functional reason why anybody should have 215 episodes when they don't <laughs> make money at doing it. Like, I, I mean, I do have sponsors, <clears throat> and uh, so there you go. Leaked announcement coming up, new sponsor. Uh, but so, but it, that is purely just to like pay for the operational stuff. Like yeah. I have, I have a VA, so a virtual assistant who, thank you to the folks at level nine, Kitcaster client who came to me, Joe Rare. I interviewed Joe Rare and he was a fantastic human. And I said, I think I'm going to become a customer of yours soon. And like seven weeks later, I was signing up for level nine. One of the most amazing services I've been using them all now for months and months, months. They are a lifesaver. So I'm, 
I'm kind of like, like Mr. Beast. If you ever hear, he's a YouTuber and he yes. says this whole thing, he could make a million dollars on a video. So what does he do? He spends 1.2 million on the next video. Like he just pours it right back in. And that to me is, so the, the, the ability to do stuff where I've had every reason to stop and it, whether it's in business, in work, in athletics, in anything, you know, it's tough to motivate yourself through the most difficult times. Yeah. I've been in retail. I was a cobbler. I literally fixed shoes for two years, but I didn't fix shoes. I became the number one shoe repair in Canada with no background, never fixed a shoe in my life, got a job because I wanted to move somewhere and I needed money. And next thing you know, three years later, I'm running the top growth shoe repair in the country. And it's for me, it's like, whatever you do, just be bloody good at it. Yeah. Be proud of it. You know, and, and when you aren't, when you can't be, because I know it's not possible for everybody to experience that, that joy of, of, you know, creating something like you've got to ride it out until you can find your thing. Mm -hmm. and, An aspect and of whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I was a landscaper and I've been a shoe repairman and I've worked for an explosives company in, in tech and I've worked in insurance. I've worked in all these different companies. I've, I sold coupons for muffler shops. Like I, whatever it was, I would do whatever needed to get done to the point where like, all I want to be able to do is I want to be so comfortable doing something that if everything else fell apart, I could somehow do this for a job. And knowing that I've got all these different things that I can do and I do technical marketing and now I do startup advisory and I do all these things. And the reason why I do it is because I've been taking in information for many years. I'm an older gentleman now, so I've, I've got a lot of years under the belt, but like that, that ability to say, what are you doing now that has a future value that's greater than one? Mm-hmm. And looking for that every day. What's a thing I do every day? And that's why, at least I know one day a week, I've got You're a thing that I know is greater than like I. Yeah. When I got that, when I got that moment, I can I can ride someone else's journey, and what yeah. a gift! What a gift for someone to share that with me. Oh, it's amazing. No, oh, that's really it's truly incredible. You know, Eric, something that we ask I ask all the guests that come on to hosted is just to provide three tips. You've been doing this long enough. And, you know, I would say that, you know, one of the tips I feel like you would say is to do the very best that you can do. Like why do it if you're not going to try to be the best at what you're doing? Um, but what are some, what are some three tips that you would give to our listeners who might be interested in starting a podcast, might be interested in relaunching a podcast that they said goodbye to, but they've missed it so much or maybe wanting to revamp what they what they're what they've got going on yeah so number one do something for longer than you expect it's going to take and and that is be willing to do it when no one's watching when no one's listening like i get zero feedback on the podcast like now i get more but like it's you're you're talking into a microphone and then it's published as a recording there's no live experience so it takes a while to get used to like the lack of feedback loop. And especially the first number of episodes, you'll have like near zero listeners, like a rare, I, I happened to go with this the other day and I, I did a look for uh, a company called listen notes and they have yeah. a good podcast search engine and they also do rankings. And, and I found out just sort of randomly that this podcast now is in the top 1% of global podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Oh, okay. I guess somebody is listening. Right. And I see like, you know, I get like a thousand, you know, listens per episode and a thousand or so watches on YouTube, but I'm like comparing myself against people like Mr. Beast or like, uh, you know, a, a major podcaster. So I'm always thinking I can do better. I continue to, you know, so I'm always willing to go further. Like does that first 20, when I gave up at like 25, 30, wherever it was, and I stopped for like seven months, if I just kept going, you know, when I got back on and I made it happen, when no one was watching, there was no reason to do it other than I needed to do it for myself. That that got me to now where 
I have the opposite problem where someone comes on the podcast. I'm like, it's going to be seven weeks until this goes out because I've got a massive a backlog. backlog. Which is, yeah. yeah. That's a great which problem is, to have. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's an interesting one. But so number one is whatever you're going to do, do it. I, I The one time I don't my cards with me, I tell people like when you do a card trick, the reason I learned this from Penn Gillette, he's a, of Penn and Teller yeah. uh, magician fame. He says the difference between a normal person and a magician is a magician will do something We'll spend like $100,000 for two years and do something before they'll ever show someone. Like they'll do a trick 10,000 times before they'll show their friend. But most people will be like, they learn this thing and they're like, check this out. <laughs> so the next person they know, like you've got to be able to do something and be comfortable without feedback for a while, which is now going to be completely opposite to my next tip, <laughs> which is find a peer group that can give you continuous feedback. And that is because you learn, like imagine if you, like I now have a friend of mine, John Meyer, he's got a podcast. And, and uh, so by the way, Kidcaster started sending people to John Meyer. He's a fantastic podcaster, but his, he and I collaborate constantly. And it's always like, Hey, what, what, you know, what do you think of my intro? Like just little things. And we, you know, I always say like, you're going to hate me. Uh, here's a couple of things that I would try differently. And he then does the same thing to me. And we, we get better with every conversation we have, we get better and we learn. So do that, find a peer group. And there's lots there of lot your of peers them. out there. Yeah. So go get somebody who shares your passion and you learn together. Instead of you making mistakes all the way, because I now can mentor people because I made a bunch of mistakes and no one told me to do this. And I just kept pushing through. And now I know I'm like, I can save you a bunch of hassle. And the third thing is automate as much as you can and build systems Mm -hmm. wherever possible. And even if the system could be you writing down, like who's the podcast guest? What is the, what's the comment goal? And this is a funny thing. What would, if you imagine someone listening to this podcast, what would you like them to say as a result of hearing this interview? Go into it thinking about what you want to learn from it and that somebody is listening and they're going to have questions at the end, not answers, questions. They're going to care enough to want to learn more. It's not about them spending 30, 40 minutes. It's about them caring about finding out more. Always make them want more. That's that's where you're winning. That's where you're doing things right, you know, and well, I, I believe. So that's... That's my my third tip. So if you don't have systems and you don't have processes, sorry, I'm Canadian, so I say processes instead of processes. But. <laughs> I like it. I think I'm going to adopt that. <laughs> so <laughs> if you if you can build some some processes, then you've got a bit of a machine to lean on. So you know, like, all right, it's Tuesday. I'm going to publish today. I'm going to produce. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to start. I'm going to spend eight to nine a.m. prospecting for potential guests whatever it is, and then use tools like Zapier and, you know, other automation tools and reach out to me, hit me up. Uh, I'm, there's like a lot of ways to connect with me and I will happily share and collaborate with anybody who wants to, you know, take that journey to the next level. And also not just peers in that direct peers, sorry, poor Brandy's like, this is going to be way longer than it should be. No, you're great. You're <laughs> great. I mean, it's a long form podcast. Uh, the peer group is number one, direct peer group where you're actually interacting with them. I call them like sort of like mentor mentee relationships. The second one is people that you are like actively chasing how they got there. So reading background stories about another podcaster or interviewer. So you are researching about somebody, but not interacting with them directly. And then the third one is just consume information and consume styles. But this is a, it's a careful one. You have to be careful because if you listen to a bunch of Larry King episodes and then you do an interview, guess what? You're going to start with how important is the microphone? (laughs) Like you're going to say a classic Larry King style question. Oh, yes. You're absolutely going to adopt whatever you're listening to most of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have a style, but like I try to be fluid uh, and and. And I think that's really the goal and, and like be ready to be flexible and fluid. But like I said, so that's, God, there's so many people out there to learn from. Don't, don't feel like you need to do it on your own. And you're, if I could say this, if you're watching or you're listening, you cared about 
asking yourself the question, can I do this? Then yes, you can. Yeah. That's the answer. You can do it. And Absolutely. I'll help you do it. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate that. All those were all fabulous tips. And if you want to connect with Eric, do so. And we're going to share on our show notes, we'll have all the information to connect with Eric. So there are lots of places. YouTube, busy gentleman. Twitter, just keep, LinkedIn. Just go posse everywhere. That's the Disco beauty part. Posse. It's easy to find me. <laughs> yes, it's great. Wonderful. Okay, so we have just a couple minutes here. So we're going to play just a super quick round of Lightning Would You Rather. Round. Lightning <laughs> round of Would You Rather. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. Okay, so who would you rather write your business pitch? Elon, Musk, or Oprah? Oof. God bless Elon. He's a good gentleman, but I wouldn't want him to be in my marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to go with Oprah. I Great. think I'm gonna, I love Elon to death and he's so fantastic, <sighs> but uh, Oprah has got a, she knows messaging very well. She sure does. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. Who would you rather trust with your secrets, your deepest, darkest secrets, this American life's Ira Glass or hardcore history's Dan Carlin? Oh, I got to go Carlin on that one. Uh, there is nothing more than than hearing that Dan Carlin has forgotten more about history than I'll ever know. So I know there's some secrets that he would keep well. <laughs> that is great reasoning. Uh, okay. Your last question here. Who would you rather be stranded on an island with, Tina Fey or Amy Poehler? Oh, <laughs> Uh, I, goodness gracious. That's a real, that's a real toss up. I, I Tina Fey definitely, um, she is my, the first one I discovered and I, I, I did a lot of background research on, on her style. So I'm a big fan of UCB and stuff. Amy did come from a similar background, but yeah. uh, I'm a little bit more versed in the Tina Fey story. So I'm going to go there. Okay. Excellent. That was pretty painless. <laughs> yeah, I know. Didn't I was I was worried. I was like saving up and like maybe if we talk long enough, we won't get to do this part. <laughs> no, that's the fun part. Thank you so much for for playing, and thank you for being on hosted and for providing such great insights to our listeners. I'm gonna again just include all of the ways that people can connect with you on the show notes. And thank you so much, Eric. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. All right. Have a fantastic one. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hosted, a podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, a podcast booking agency. If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.